Welcome to Everything Yesterday This Morning, a 15 to 20 minute daily recap of headlines you may have missed. Come for the news, stay for the snarky commentary. Good morning and welcome to Friday's edition of Everything Yesterday This Morning. I'm your host, Literally Heather. I'm sorry I didn't bring an episode to you guys yesterday. Uh, Book club ran really, really late on Wednesday night and sleep felt much more of a priority. (laughs) So I I didn't have time to write you guys a show, but um, I'm going to bring you some stuff today with a little bit of spillover between Wednesday and Thursday. So uh, Brittany Griner has been freed from prison in Russia in a dramatic high-level prisoner swap for the notorious Russian arms dealer Victor Bout who has been held in an American prison for 12 years. The swap, at a time of heightened tensions over Ukraine, achieved a top goal for Biden, but carried a heavy price and left behind an American Marine jailed for nearly four years. Paul Whelan, a Michigan corporate security executive, had been jailed since December of 2018 on espionage charges that his family and the U.S. government say are baseless. But the deal... The second such exchange in eight months procured the release of the most prominent American detained abroad. It's interesting, though, isn't it, that the one who did not commit a crime is left behind? The one who actually did commit a crime is brought home because of notoriety. I'd be so pissed if I was Whelan's family, absolutely incensed. The most incendiary piece of this puzzle is that in its initial reporting, NBC News said, quote, A senior U.S. official told NBC News, that the U.S. government had sought to have both Greiner and Whelan released as part of a swap with the Kremlin, which wanted the return of Victor Bout, a Russian arms dealer who has served 11 years of a 25-year sentence in the U.S. But the official said Russia had treated Whelan differently because he is an accused spy, and that the Kremlin gave the White House the choice, either Greiner or Whelan or none. That article has gone through its mandatory 1984 Ministry of Truth transformation and has since been edited to say, either Griner or no one, after different options were proposed. Well, what were those different options, I wonder? Actually, I don't have to wonder because I have the archived link and it's in my show notes. So you can actually see for yourself the original article. Even more interesting is the person that we exchanged for Greiner. Biden's authorization to release a Russian felon once nicknamed the Merchant of Death underscored the escalating pressure his administration faced to get Greiner home, particularly after the resolution of her criminal case and her transfer to a penal colony. In a statement, Whelan's family said they welcomed the Greiner exchange but were devastated that Whelan was not freed. Russian and U.S. officials had conveyed cautious optimism after months of strained negotiations with Biden saying in November that he was hopeful. A top Russian official said last week that a deal was possible before the year's end. Even so, the fact that the deal was a one-for-one swap was a surprise given that the U.S. officials had for months expressed their determination to bring home both Greiner and Whelan. Victor Bout is a former Soviet lieutenant colonel who the United States Justice Department once described as one of the world's most prolific arms dealers. He inspired Lord of War, 
the movie starring Nicolas Cage, which is absolutely amazing, by the way. And as I've stated, I think twice now, he was serving a 25-year sentence for conspiring to sell tens of millions of dollars in weapons that U.S. officials said were to be used against Americans. So (laughs) what does that say about the CEOs and sales representatives of Lockheed Martin and Raytheon, who sell tens of trillions of dollars in weapons that are to be used against Russians, Iranians, Afghanis, Iraqis, Syrians, Libyans, or whatever other country I'm missing. Griner's arrest in February made her the most high-profile American jailed abroad. Her status as an openly gay black woman locked up in a country where authorities have been hostile towards the LGBTQ plus community infused racial, gender, and social dynamics into her legal saga. Yeah. Because the checked boxes are the important part, right? That's why she was chosen over Whelan. The language of wrongfully detained is also a new one in the Newspeak language shift. We won't say innocent because she isn't. Technically, she committed federal and international crimes. But let's call it wrongfully detained because that language implies a softer, less guilty situation. A couple things that I really want to be clear on. Number one, I am glad that Brittany Griner is coming home for two reasons. One, we should not be illegal in the first place. Um, but number two, I don't want any American rotting in, in some foreign prison penal colony in Russia. Um, although I really hope with the amount of hate that she's given to the United States, that since she's the one coming home, I hope she kisses that tarmac when she gets back. Um, you know, I don't, I don't think marijuana possession should be a criminal offense. Period. I, I am happy that she's coming home and not serving trumped up charges in an overseas prison just because Russia is mad at the United States government. Frankly, I also think firearms should be sold in vending machines like candy and chips. If we're being honest, so I don't really have a lot of beef with Victor Bout being released either. I do, however, have an issue with the attempt to pretend that the one individual who actually committed a current crime on the books being chosen over someone who is reported to be innocent solely because it would earn more political points is bullshit. If you or I committed the same offense, we'd be rotting in that penal colony for the full nine-year sentence. This and next story makes me sick to my stomach, so feel free to skip ahead if you don't want to hear this one. So, in the memory hole hell that is modern-day journalism, if you remember, there was a massive uproar regarding allowing transgender students to use their preferred pronoun bathrooms. A school in Loudoun County, Virginia, decided to test the theory of whether or not that was a good idea, and it turns out it wasn't. In Stonebridge High School on May 28th of 2021, a girl was sodomized by a gender-fluid student in the bathroom. According to her father, the girl called him, informed him she had been raped. The father went straight to the school. There are discrepancies on how LCSO, Loudoun County Sheriff's Office, became involved, whether it was the father being upset upon arrival or because of the assault itself. LCSO confirmed that a May 28th report with, quote, offense, 
forcible sodomy and sexual battery at Stonebridge High School does in fact exist, but it is not public record. In my research, and for full transparency, I do want to be clear and I feel that it's necessary to disclose. This girl had consented to sex with this boy twice before. However, explicitly told him no, she did not want to do it this time, according to the girl. LCPS, which is the Loudoun County Public Schools, and LCSO conducted a two-month-long investigation to determine the facts of the case prior to arrest. The Commonwealth attorney said that until DNA evidence could be processed, they could not make the arrest or they would risk losing the case. The LCPS school board issued a statement stating that LCPS was advised by law enforcement not to conduct any interviews or investigation until after the LCSO had completed their investigation. A school board member stated that schools are prohibited from disciplining a student without following the federally mandated Title IX grievance process. They then stated that they do implement interim measures to protect the safety of the students involved in a reported incident, as well as to deter retaliation and preserve the integrity of an ensuing investigation. LCSO says they are not responsible for student placement or discipline. It seems that at that time, the assailant was under electronic monitoring and transferred to a juvenile institution, but to another school. I'm sorry, I apologize. Was under electronic monitoring and transferred not to a juvenile institution, but in fact to another school. At the June 22nd school board meeting, so we're talking about a month later, Superintendent Scott Ziegler declared that we, whomever that includes because it's not specified, don't have any records of assaults happening in our restrooms. This is after a girl was raped there. A second incident of assault occurred at Broad Run High School on October 6th, where this same boy pleaded no contest in court and admitted that he forced the girl into an empty classroom and sexually assaulted her. The victim immediately reported the incident to a Loudoun County Sheriff's Office school office resource officer, and there's a public incident report for that one that is public. According to the Commonwealth attorney, once a juvenile is charged, the prosecutors need to adjudicate adjudicate his case within 21 days or release the subject. The DNA analysis was not complete within that timeline, so they had to ask the court for additional time. The court ordered electronic monitoring by a probation officer. The assailant was under this monitoring when the second assault occurred. The father of the first victim was arrested at that June 22nd school board meeting. Sources say that he was in an argument with a woman, and when he became highly agitated, he was removed from the meeting and subsequently subsequently arrested. He was charged with two misdemeanors and sentenced to 10 days in jail, all suspended with a year of good behavior. Now that you have the background, the reason this is making it on the show today is because a grand jury released its findings yesterday stating that, quote, We believe that throughout this ordeal, LCPS administrators were looking out for their own interests instead of the best interests 
of LCPS students. This invariably led to a stunning lack of openness, transparency, and accountability, both to the public and to the special grand jury. There were several decision points for senior LCPS administrators up to and including the superintendent to be transparent and step in and alter the sequence of events leading up to the October 6th sexual assault. They failed at every juncture. We conclude that there was not a coordinated cover-up between LCPS administrators and members of the LSCB, LCSB. Indeed, except for the May 28th email from the superintendent, the LCSB, both as a body and its individual members, were deliberately deprived of information regarding these incidents until after the October 6th sexual assault. And even then, they learned it not from the superintendent's office, but instead from reporting that the assailant was the same one from the May 28th incident. We also believe that the October 6th abduction and sexual assault of a female student could have and should have been prevented. A remarkable lack of curiosity and adherence to operating in silos by LCPS administrators is ultimately to blame for the October 6th incident. While we strongly believe LCPS bears the brunt of the blame for the October 6th incident and the transfer of the student to another school, a breakdown of communication between and amongst multiple parties, including the Loudoun County Sheriff's Office, the Court Services Unit, and the Loudoun County Commonwealth's Attorney's Office, led to the tragic events that occurred. Despite having a 12-page disciplinary file, wearing an ankle monitor, being closely monitored by the broad-run principal, knowledge of this incident by the highest administrators in LCPS, and a suggestion by the court services unit that a more serious punishment be given, the individual received nothing more than a verbal admonishment for these actions. Less than a month later in October, the individual snatched an unassuming female out of the hallway, abducted her into an empty classroom, nearly asphyxiated her, and sexually assaulted her. The individual was taken into custody on that day and has remained ever since. The grand jury report will be linked in my show notes, and it also includes the school division's effort to thwart this investigation. I'm not going to read through all of it, but I highly encourage you to do so. The breakdown of protecting children lately seems to be a trend, and it's not a good one. That leads me into the next disgusting story of the day. Project Veritas has exposed another insane situation that simply should not be occurring. Joseph Bruno, who is the Dean of Students at Francis W. Parker School in Chicago, appears to be very intoxicated in a restaurant bar blabbing about all the highly sexualized and inappropriate things that he's doing with the $40,000 per head tuition that the school is collecting from parents. Joseph Bruno admitted that he teaches underage children as young as 14 about sex with items such as butt plugs and dildos. Rather than me quoting the video verbatim, I'm going to share the sound clip of the video that was posted to Twitter by Project Veritas. I'm going to post the clip in its entirety, so any editing that you hear is from them, not from me. 
I had like our LGBTQ plus health center come in. They were passing around butt plugs and dildos to my students, talking about queer sex, using blue versus using spit. Meet Joe Bruno, Dean of Students at the prestigious Francis W. Parker Private School in Chicago, which happens to charge $40,000 per student. And they're just like passing around dildos butt plugs. The kids are just playing with them. They're like, how do you, how does this buffalo work? How do I do, like, how does this work? That's a really, like, a new part of my job. Parents might be stunned to learn that Bruno's version of love and acceptance means handing out sex toys to underage students. So I've been the dean for four years. During Pride, we do a Pride week every year. And I had, um, I had like our LGBTQ plus health center come in. They were passing around butt plugs and dildos to my students, talking about queer sex, using blue versus using spit. Who is this? This is uh, an LGBTQ plus health center came in to talk to my high school students. They're just like passing around dildos, butt plugs. The kids are just playing with them, they're looking at them. In the school? In, in a classroom. Wow. Yeah. Well, I'm sitting there. And we had a drag queen come in, uh, pass out cookies and brownies and do photos. And, and everybody's cool with that, like the plugs and the dildos. Nobody complains. No. I mean, if the parents found out, would they? No. It's queer sex. The drag queen that came in. What's her name? Uh, Alexis Bevels. Alexis Bevels. I just hung out in my classroom. Was there? Or hung out in my office. You have so much freedom. So much. Wiggle room. So much freedom, so much money. I mean, I mean to do stuff. Trustees are okay with that too. They don't know. They would. It's like we. I wouldn't even like run it by them. Like, why would I run it by them? Then I'd be like, oh my god, that's wonderful. Like, how old were the kids at with the classroom? 14, 18. They're like, how do you? How does this buffalo work? How do I do? Like, how does this work? Right. Um, so yeah, that's a really like a new part of my job is I don't have to worry about stuff like that. So in that clip, James O'Keefe uh, decided to confront Joseph Bruno in front of the school. I understand wanting to confront him absolutely, but you can see in the video clip quite a few children standing at the top of the stairs with their parents and yelling about dildos and butt plugs in front of seemingly really young children is pretty egregious in itself because it lends itself to questions parents may not want their children asking at this time. Hey mom, what's a dildo? Um, I guess I've come to expect the ridiculousness from people running schools these days, but the response from the school is the part that has me completely astounded. You would think that parents would be standing outside with pitchforks and raising 10 kinds of hell, but you would be wrong. So wrong, in fact, that the principal of the school felt comfortable sending a seething letter to parents following the confrontation. I'm going to read this to you. Dear Parker community, at Parker, we care deeply about the health, well-being, and development of our students. Our programs are designed to help cultivate not only physical and emotional well-being, but also a strong sense of belonging. This is central to our mission. That's why we are heartbroken to learn that one of our colleagues' words has revealed that he is grooming children and is a piece of garbage. Just kidding. That's not what it says. It says, <clears throat> one of our colleagues' words have been severely misrepresented for a malicious purpose. 
Project Veritas is a far-right activist group that produces deceptively edited videos of secret recordings in an effort to discredit mainstream media organizations, progressive groups, and educational institutions. Last week, at an NAIS, National Association of Independent Schools, People of Color Conference, one of our employees was targeted by this group and misled to believe that he was conversing with another conference attendee over a coffee. Um, that doesn't make the content of the conversation acceptable. He was filmed without his knowledge or permission. This is still part of the letter, by the way. While describing one example of our inclusive LGBTQ affirming and comprehensive approach to sex education. Comprehensive, all right. This group has now edited this video with malicious intent and launched it publicly tonight. Please know this video contains descriptive language. If you choose to view it, we ask you not to share it because it will add to its viral power. Not kidding. They're asking parents not to share it because they don't want everyone to know that they're grooming their fucking children. I want to see this principal's hard drive. Earlier this week, this same group attempted to ambush our employee at the school and was escorted off the campus without incident by our security. While we have no reason to believe there is a threat to the physical safety of the community, we have worked with the alderman's office and police and have implemented higher security measures. You may have already noticed increased police presence outside the school. Outside the school. I feel like you need increased police presence inside the school. Parker administrators and Parker's board of trustees support Parker's programming. The strength and inclusivity of our curriculum and the dedicated and talented faculty and staff that teach it. We are sickened by this group's deceptive tactics. Not the dean's behavior or actions of bringing in an organization to discuss dildos and butt plugs with 14-year-olds, their invasion during a People of Color conference, and their attack on the LGBTQ community. We will be meeting with middle and upper school students tomorrow to offer support and guidance. I'm so unbelievably disgusted with this. And if you are sitting there saying to yourself, well, I support what these schools are doing. You're part of the problem. And I said what I said. Covering your ass to allow a guy who just sodomized a girl, transfer them to another school so that they can sexually assault another girl and nearly suffocate her in the process. And teaching kids as young as 14 how to use dildos and butt plugs. Like, do you realize which side of history you're on if you continue defending that type of stuff? This is my hill that I'll die on, full stop. Children are pure and should remain that way for as long as possible. If you are trying to normalize the sexualization of children in the name of some Marxist woke agenda that seeks to destroy the family unit so completely that children become nothing more than a sexual object in the cog of the machine, I have no love or respect for you. I don't care if this loses me friends or followers. If you think anything about these last two stories is okay or understandable, I don't want to be friends with you, ever. Um. Okay, I got to end on a high note because that's just what we do here. 
The Oregon Supreme Court rejected a request to lift an order against preventing a law restricting the sale of firearms and ammunition in the state from taking effect Thursday. The state high court's ruling places Measure 114, which would limit the sale of magazines with more than 10 rounds and requires background checks prior to firearms purchases, is on hold for now. Oregon voters approved Measure 114 by a thin margin in November, prompting guns rights groups to file requests in federal and state court for a temporary restraining order against it. On Tuesday, federal judge Karen Immergut rejected the request to block the measure, saying that plaintiffs had failed to demonstrate that high-capacity magazines are in common use for lawful purposes like self-defense, but allowed an additional 30 days to refine the per- permitting process. However, Harney County Judge Robert Rascio sided with the plaintiffs in the Harney County case who claimed that Measure 114 violates the Oregon Constitution, which states, people shall have the right to bear arms for the defense of themselves, and granted the request to issue an injunction in a separate ruling, also on Tuesday. A hearing on Judge Ratio's ruling is scheduled for December 13th. I will definitely be paying attention to that one. In the appeal to the state Supreme Court, Oregon Attorney General Ellen Rosenblum said the state, quote, strongly disagreed with the county judge's ruling. The people of Oregon enacted Measure 114 to prevent horrific deaths and devastating injuries due to mass shootings, homicides, and suicides, the state wrote in the filing. Doing so fell well within the wide latitude provided by Article 1, Section 27, which, as this court has repeatedly indicated, allows the people to take such reasonable measures to protect and promote public safety. Man, nothing makes my day better than gun grabbers losing the right to steal someone's self-defense. That is your Friday edition of Everything Yesterday This Morning. I appreciate you guys tuning in and listening. Sorry for the heavy topics today, but unfortunately not many people are willing to talk about these things. And this is something I believe in so fervently If you are not willing to protect children and you're using them as, I don't know, like if if you're allowing other people to use them, it, it just makes you a shitty person. So anyway, you guys take care. Uh, Liberty Happy Hour this evening at 10.15 Eastern Standard Time. I look forward to seeing you guys there. Got a special guest today. Uh, He is offering $20,000. At least that's what the pot is right now. I'm assuming January 1st, that actually moves to $30,000. If you can find a way to connect him to his future wife, if it results in him getting married, he will pay you $30,000. Talking to him this evening, Feel free to tune in if you would like to check that conversation out or ask him any questions about what put him in that spot. Thank you guys. You guys take care. Have a great day. If you like today's show, be sure to subscribe and turn on notifications so you never miss an episode. Also, please don't forget to check out shouseinthehouse.com and never forget that free men do not need permission from any government. Have a great day.